Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, crucial roles, high fits, compassion, great passion, fiction, ultimate goal, glory, relentless training, pain, pain. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another awesome episode of The Row Show. Uh, we are discussing and breaking down the most incredible. Uh, World Cup event uh, in Lucerne this week, and we have an awesome trio to chat about the rowing today. As always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton, with me, Mr. Green. Yes, we, we, we're back on the show, and of course, we've got Martin Cross joining us again. Um, awesome to have you on, Martin. You've been joining us quite a lot lately, and we've, we've been loving the, you know, the, the, the extra perspective and having someone of your caliber and rowing knowledge to come onto the row show and, and, and share a bit of your insights. So thanks thanks for giving your time as always, Martin. Great to have you on. Brilliant. Thanks, Jake and Lawrence. I think to to kick things off, I mean, we have so many rowing races to, to get into, but I think one of the uh, most amazing things on the weekend that uh, I just uh, looked in on was the, the Thomas Keller Award. And Martin, I know you were MC during the um, during the ceremony and you gave uh, Mahi the, the Thomas Keller Award. Just tell us a bit about how that was. And yeah, I mean, it was, it's really cool. To, I think it's such a cool thing that World Rowing are doing, you know, every year and just kind of building this award up to to something that's maybe a bit bigger than, you know, getting a medal or, you know, it's it's adding a, having a big contribution to the sport. So what was it like um, do, being the MC for the, the, the uh, ceremony? I'll tell you what, I was really nervous, actually, because there were quite a lot of people there. Um, and um, it's the first time we've done it like that. So there are a few things that I kind of had to remember, but I didn't want to use a script. Um, and it was lovely that Mahe's family was there with Juliet, um, former Juliet Haig, um, and, and the three kids. Uh, and all the Thomas Keller medal people, um, th- there were also uh, past winners there, um, like Olaf Tufter came specially uh, down to Lucerne, um, and uh, Elisabetta Lieper was there for Romania, Thomas Greiner from Germany, Nico Rinks from the Netherlands. It, it, it was great. And, and the whole thing... Um, I think you, you probably know that Robin Dow, um, who was coaching in Switzerland, Janine Gamalin's partner, tragically died this year. Yeah. So his dream was to have a coffee stall um, at Lucerne, and Janine Gamalin made that happen. It was right in the area where we were doing the Thomas Keller presentation, and it was so, so popular. The coffee was amazing, and Janine was there with Robin's sister and other helpers, and, and it was a fantastic addition to the regatta. Yeah. So that's all in that space underneath where we did the Thomas Keller medal, all in that space underneath the uh, the rowing centre stairs. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's really, really cool. And I th- definitely feels like the Thomas Keller Award is like, it's picking up momentum every year. It's kind of got a little bit more gravitas to the to the actual award as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right with that. The, 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 this, I think, was our best ceremony that we've done. Yeah, no, I think it's it is it is awesome, and 
I just feel like uh, it's probably the easiest. Uh, I don't want to say that in in that sense because I, I don't want to disrespect other medalists. But I suppose this year the pick was was pretty easy with Mahi Drysdale. I think what a a massive um, you know a massive uh, person to the sport, and you know he's he's contributed in many ways and, and into to world rowing and a massive uh, massive member of rowing's legacy, and definitely goes down as one of the all-time greats. So, I mean, it's fantastic to see him get that sort of recognition. And he strikes me as quite a humble a humble man because I, I got a sense from the commentary that he he commentated with Sarah Cook and, and um, Greg Searle. He's, he's quite a humble man. So I was really happy to see him get that sort of recognition for his contributions to rowing. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. I yeah. think my favorite comment from him was when he, he moaned that uh, Olaf had won the Thomas Kittle the last year that he'd beat him. <laughs> it was just another <laughs> thing that Olaf had beaten him, <laughs> beaten him too. So I thought that was was really funny because you could yeah. see they they're good mates and they I mean they they get along well. So obviously just a little bit of banter between them. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think to kick things off. Uh, for into the the racing though, because we have so much to to talk about. So I want to briefly touch on the the start of the regatta. I feel like the for this amount of entries, I mean, the regatta was massive. I'm surprised that they're not pushing to add an extra day to the event. I mean, they they're gonna have to, especially if Lucerne stays, you know, with this many entries. I mean, this is gonna be you know, as close to world champs levels of um, entries as you can get really. And some events might even have more because there was a lot of countries entering, you know, two pairs, two two doubles. So I wonder if they're going to have to start talking about adding another day to the World Cup. And I don't think it'll change much because there's, you know, all the countries are traveling out there already a day or two earlier to start the prep and stuff. So just adding a little bit more time might just take the pressure off the regatta more than you know more than put pressure onto countries to to be there earlier yeah so no i i agree with you lawrence i think an extra day of racing would be superb and i i thought the extra day of racing at europeans um was definitely a very good uh choice because i just feel like it it allows for uh those performances and it allows for athletes to sort of um present themselves and give themselves the the best opportunities to race and uh i think it's really hard on these athletes especially in the the big uh, entry events and they were they would uh, i remember there were about three three distinctively bigger events and there was i think the men's pair the women's skull and the men's skull and i think you know it's really hard racing on on these these athletes to put out two kilometer performances um, multiple times in a single day and uh, I did did get the sense at watching some of the events on Sunday that there were, there, in, especially in the men's pair, I got a sense that maybe across the board there was this general event fatigue. And uh, yeah, I think uh, 100% an extra day would be fantastic. The time trials definitely added a new dynamic to the the mix though. So I think it, they in their own way sort of added a, a sort of another level of drama to the whole uh, regatta, I think, especially in the single skulls. Yeah, I... Um... Yeah, it was interesting with the time trials. I mean, Nico Rinks, the, the Thomas, the, the guy who's two Olympic golds, he said he he enjoyed watching time trials because it made him look more at the technique of the crews, yeah, um, than than just if they were racing. That, that that was the most positive comment I heard about the time trials. 
Um, yeah. You know, I think Oli Zeidler, if he was a second slower, would have been in the E yes. final. He would have. He would have missed um, out. And yeah. um, and that that is an incredible stat. How? How? How yeah. can he do what he did in the final and be that close to an E final? I mean, there. That is. I mean, he. I feel like he messed up bad in the in his pacing on the time trial. But I mean, because surely it's quite easy for him to predict. Be like, okay, you have to row in these conditions. I don't know, seven o seven or seven o five to go through, and then you just hit that down the down the track. It should be quite straightforward. Yeah. But yeah, I'm so I was so surprised when I saw how close he was uh, to going out. I mean, it wasn't even bad weather, or there was no excuse really for it. So, and he was quite upset about the time trial. His, his tweet there was, he didn't hold back. Yeah, I did hear they were going to run it in Zagreb, but didn't have enough entries to justify the, the format. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know whether that's correct or not, but. I d- they they should have run it at another World Cup, not Lucerne, really. Yeah, I I sort of you know I think with the the, the amount of entries, especially with the single skulls, I I did understand to a certain extent why they would host the time trials. And then again, I think you know Ali Zeidler playing his cards, maybe when he plays cards close to his chest, because you know this this regatta, I it seemed like he wanted to put out a big performance, and you definitely saw that in his last two fifty. And I looked at his post-race interview and he said that he's sort of never shown he kind of uh, the what he he said came across is that he's never really shown that last 250 sprint and he wanted to practice it before he went to world champs so from from mm. from what i gathered is that he wanted to play the regatta so that he got to the final in maybe the best yeah. Yeah. um shape possible to, to able to s- sort of give a, a simulation race of maybe a world champ or olympic final performance so I mean that's probably he probably wanted just to get through the heat and he probably set himself you I know, know mid, but mid 650s is probably go through. You don't have to cut it so fine though. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to cut it so fine. Yeah. I mean cuz he could have done that a little more comfortably I think. Yeah. There was another vibe about time trials which which I I got from talking to a couple of the coaches and and Axel Müller the German working in Belgium he, a number of coaches have spoken to him, you know, from countries that have travelled a long way like Uruguay and said, you know, we've come all this way and we just get a time trial and then one more race. Mm, you know, yeah. we spend a lot of money coming to Lucerne and it's not right, basically. Yeah. Um, and you've you got to think they have a point with that. Yeah, I don't think it's the the best thing to to go into the to do a time trial. I feel like the racing, I'd rather they added an extra day and gave themselves the time to, to race, to race all the races properly one-on-one or, you know, six lane and, and do it properly. Cause I don't think you gain, you don't gain very much, even from a fairness point, even if the course is blowing a big crosswind, you know, you can get days where it's gusty and then, you know, people mm. get in, if you go or first or last, you, you might get a different result. So I don't think you gain a huge amount of fairness by doing the the head ra- uh, the, the the head race, and then yeah, I don't, and, and definitely from a spectator and a competitive point of view, I don't think it's very exciting. But yeah, yeah I mean they they had their reasons, so yeah, it's hope they they don't have to use it anywhere else. 
yeah certainly certainly so but i think um i think moving on towards the regatta as a whole you know my big takeaway from the regatta was you know it was as if this regatta was suddenly the 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 regatta that that sort of uh lifted the veil so to speak of the of the olympic games in 2024 i kind of went away from the regatta as if you've been on a ship in the ocean and and you've sighted land that you've been looking for for the first sighting of land that's for me is the (laughs) kind of idea i got from this regatta just based off the performances in the a finals and in the b finals too that you're starting to see some really um really really fast crews that are you know tapping into the peak potential of what they're capable of and then looking at the teams you know the four big teams for me uh were gb romanian netherlands and australia coming away with i think pretty dominant performances over the over the course of the weekend i think especially great britain i think they're in fantastic form at the moment and uh at really their post-olympic resurgence has been something spectacular i mean they 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 dominance pretty much in in a lot of these events is is nothing short of you know really really incredible so yeah i don't know what your thoughts are on that martin it must be nice for someone to see their you know their home country doing so well um in the rowing space yeah i um i think it is and and also knowing um you know a lot of the rowers um i think um from those countries the one that stood out that you mentioned was was the netherlands um because um you know they they raced at the europeans then they went away and apparently you know ilko mirhorse and the coaches they basically said right we're not going to do any seat trials we're just going to select boats on gut feel and they changed all their combinations round yeah and it i think the athletes just had to trust the coaches and you know, and clearly they made some amazing crews um, for the regatta. And I think the program that, or the the whole setup that Ilko Meerhorst has has kind of created, and the the type of training they're doing, is is just producing phenomenal results. Um, and they don't have the money that Britain has, or maybe the resources that Australia has. Um, yeah. And and. So I think that's really impressive from the Netherlands. Yeah, yes. no, for sure. I think the, the 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 Dutch team, especially their sculling side, was on absolute fire um, over the weekend. Uh, the one point, though, Jake, because you said, oh, these four countries, you know, uh, uh, Romania, Australia, Netherlands, and GB. So between there's 14 Olympic events, there's 42 medals up for grabs, and those four countries won 25 of the medals available. Mm. So, I mean, they really did uh, show up on, on every level to, to do that, you know, and, um, and most of those medal, I mean, I mean, GB still um, dominating the medal table with eight, eight medals, four golds, three silvers and a bronze. Mm. So the, the stats are, you know, yeah, are quite impressive to, to look at. And yeah, I mean, they had, I think GB on the sweep side was incredible. And then the Dutch for me, definitely on the sculling side were, were kind of unstoppable in a lot of events. I feel like the Dutch had more like shakeup events. Like they came in not as favorites and, and managed to, to dominate big, big events. Whereas the British, we at least expected a lot of their, um, a lot of the results that they got. I, 
I must say though, the in just actually straight following your point, Lawrence, the two notable events that the Dutch won this weekend were the men's double and the quad. And not taking anything away from their performances, because I think that um the Dutch quad and the the double definitely stepped their game up. I think the performances of this weekend were incredible. But there are some notable absentees from both those events. Uh, the Polish and the quad are, you know, the big favorites for me in this event. And uh, the Italians too. I think those are two massive um, people missing from the men's quad. And then on the double, again, the Italians are missing. The you know the French combination had to make some changes for sickness. And then you also have the USA and China. So there's those two fields, while the Dutch did really well this weekend, there are some absentees. But I think what we're doing here, what we're really doing, I think is we're noticing the trends. And those four countries, 100%, mm-hmm. are on sort of an upward trend. And I think the outlook is looking very positive for this year's Olympic qualification. I'm quite interested to see where New, uh, USA comes in on this uh, on the medal table at World Champs because you know they were pretty dangerous at the second World Cup, and you know with a lot of like the small boats which they don't usually focus on uh, yes. that much, and now they've been having this push on these small boats, and I think that they are definitely going to shake up quite a few of the kind of podiums i don't know that you know they had a lot of silver medals at the world cup but i think that that will translate into more medals at the the world champ so they'll definitely be mm. um i think shake up quite a lot of the the podiums mm. for for the world champs um i think they're the biggest country that's like we're really feeling like they're missing because australia i mean italy have been good but they haven't been like on fire this cycle yet so i think we yeah. still will see you know, maybe one or two of their crews coming in, but I think the the USA is the the country that we're missing the most, and then obviously mm. China, a few crews as well that will spice things up, which is quite exciting to have had this incredible regatta, and still missing like big big nations. Yes. Um, yes. I think is is really really exciting for what's what's to come in uh, in a few weeks' time. I think World Champs yeah. is going to come thick and fast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think continuing on, I I do, we, we always, uh, at, on the road show, we have the, the prog sheet where we plug in the times from the weekend and get a, a sort of percentage. And, uh, you know, we don't spend too much time on the stats because, you know, there's, for me, there's only so much you can look into this, but I think it's worth going through a very quick overview of the, the weekend. I think two big um, to the immediate uh, trend was that there was a big difference between the morning's racing and the afternoon's racing. Literally, uh, you have every single race in the afternoon was faster than the morning on the percent sheet. And then mm. the top five were with, within um, half a percent, which I thought was really impressive. You know, the women's four came out on top, 98.9% with Romania having one hell of a race there to take away the, the gold medal. And then sort of a little bit of an outlier the the women's the women's eight were the last uh, sort of the the lowest percentage of the afternoon um and they were about like one and a half one and a half percent off off the top um but what i actually thought was really interesting was that uh ollie zeidler's performance in the skull was in the morning but you know he he rode quite a competitive time that almost broke him into the 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 top top six so to speak into the afternoon block so I think, you know, Ali Zeidler at the moment, he's in ridiculous form. And I think based off the stats we're seeing, you know, I really am 
I, I firmly believe that if you if you give them really good conditions, a nice tailwind breeze, I think that that world record is is going to be looking very very um, precarious there. So yeah, I think you know that was probably my biggest takeaway from looking at the numbers this weekend. To I think to add to your stats there, Jake. So Ali, I think in his sprint at the end, uh, I think he got down uh, on the GPS data. He was down at a one thirty three or one thirty two um, speed. Which is like pair that's pair speed um, that he's rowing in there at the end of the race. Um, so I, for for me, he's the performance of the regatta by far. He he was yeah, I completely agree with you. He was in complete control the whole race, and when Sverry started to move back on him, he shut it down with so much ease. And then he still rode the fastest percentage of the morning's um, racing. So no, he was on fire, and I think if he keeps uh, racing like that, he's going to be unstoppable. Come yes. uh, world champs and come Paris Olympic Games, I think there's there's not much that he could do. I think I think there's a feel, a feeling that you know if you're going to compete against him, you've got to put him under pressure in the second five hundred. Yes, which is where he kind of takes maybe a little want to say break or you know, um, and 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 that enabled him to move back on you know when Sferi tried to move in the third quarter. I th- I think you know, um, the. The the issue is that people will hope you know it'll be on a late with you know that'll unsettle Ollie. So, but there's yeah. no chance of that in Belgrade. No, I, yeah, I, and I think the more the more performances like this he puts down, the less and less chance there is of him getting unsettled at another regatta because you're just building confidence on mm-hmm. you know what you could do going out there and 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 you know just putting your performance down. And, and the more he does that, the more confidence he will get. The the other piece though, Jake, that I want to discuss is Ollie's handles. He was trying a new uh, a new type of handle. I think it comes from um, I was trying to, I was looking at the the name of the handle earlier, but it's um, like a custom made grip for you know looks like for like bigger hands or bigger people. So I think that's quite interesting, and I think I definitely want to have a have a look a little bit more into that and see. You know, there's a few little technical things that are, you know, kind of creeping into rowing that, I don't know, I think that rowing needs that constant innovation and, yes. you know, just small adjustments like this. And and from a competitive brand, it's not like Concept2 coming out and saying, oh, he has new handles. It's a, someone else that's like retrofitting them to the Concept2 um, oars, which is, I think is quite interesting. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Lawrence. And uh I think it's a it's definitely I feel like when I look at other sports and how you know the the personalization I suppose of uh, of your own setup so you know with I mean I've just been watching Wimbledon like this there seems to be so many intricate things happening and I think perhaps we don't see that as much in rowing um but I think there's also a case of just due to how we we like uh you know how we spectate and look at the racing it's it's difficult to kind of get that but 100% you know the the grips makes complete sense. And, uh, you know, I know obviously, you know, anyone that's done, you know, top level sculling, you know, it's, it's that sort of grip, it, it becomes a real challenge when you know, that handle gets wet and you're really sculling, sculling to your peak capabilities. You don't want anything going wrong and certainly not with your grip. And I do feel like in sculling, it's more of a, more of a thing unless maybe in sweep, 
Um, maybe that's just because I've got a comfortable sweep grip, but I definitely feel that's more definitely more of a thing that happens in Scotland. I don't know what Martin thinks. Yeah, um, I did. You know, look to the blades of the British Eight um, for Henley, and you know, a lot of them have the wooden handles. Um, some of them using one of using felt grips. Another are using those um, sort of veneer wooden grips. Uh, I guess you don't often see that, do you? Um, mm. But, you know, that's kind of personalised. As you were talking, uh, my mind was going to, you know, there's so much data, and like particularly in a system like the British, you know, with with telemetry and, and the athletes and syncing them in together, that what I find amazing is, and you mentioned the Romanian four, in, in, the British came in third place, but... Despite all the rowing and the testing, um, they they cannot find a way to make that four work as they think it should with Helen Glover. Yes, and you know um, she she's comes out the best on the telemetry, I believe. But you know they had they started the regatta with her in the stroke seat. Yes. And then I'm thinking, why on earth are they doing that? You know, is that just a tryout? And then obviously they didn't give that too much. And then they, they, they moved her back to the three seat yeah. on the Saturday. And despite all this data and all the, the things you've got, there is still something indefinable, which they're searching for that they haven't found yet. We were speaking about this um, around any time with the telem- telemetry and the, and the data. I can't help but think that, you know, in rowing, the the data in rowing can be so seductive to a certain extent. You can read so much into it. And I and I can't help but think that there is a certain point where the data might become sort of redundant or it might, you know, lead you down a path where it might not actually be conducive to making sort of the right decisions. Because I often find you can always look at data and there's always more ways to break things down and different ways to view things. So, you know, maybe, you know, what I love about rowing is that we have this data, but then you also have the 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 abstract things about the stroke and the, you know, the the synergy about the crew. Um, mm. And sometimes the, the data doesn't make sense. We see this in athletes. We see this in performances. At sometimes, you know, the performance is not really about the data. It's more about, you know, what the athlete has on that day. So, um you know, just more speaking in the broad sense, not just in the in the British fall. But I do think maybe wasn't there like sort of an injury concern or something in that? Sam Redgrave injured her back, so she wasn't there. So okay, so they had to have a different setup to Verizzi, um, which you know, um, yeah, that they had to deal with. But you know, that the four was so rode so beautifully last year, and they just haven't reproduced that. Yeah, I. Yeah, I do think also there's a certain element of um, in 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 their defence there is elements of the other the other nations in the four coming to the coming to the front yeah. of the of the performances. But I must say one thing I do like about that that GB four is uh, Rebecca Shorten. I think she rose incredibly well in the stroke seat, and I must say from what I can see, she definitely seems to anchor the boat down in the in the, in the stroke seat and just give it a lot of structure. So I I think that sticking with Rebecca in the front there um, is a really mm. smart move because I do think she rose a really long, and I definitely get the sense of all the GB strokes. Actually, there's just this composure, the stoic 
um, sort of, uh, you know, perspective that you're looking at when they're in the front. And I think they, that sort of um, attitude towards racing sort of is so crucial in setting up a very strong rhythm that you can get behind in the middle of the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's true, actually. I think Jake uh, nailed it there on that. Like the, that is what comes across on most of the British cruises. Just this like confidence, calm, cool co- confidence coming through that that stroke. Uh, you know that that the rhythm coming through. It's all it never like a lot of the other crews. Maybe they just you know under that much little that much more pressure or something. But they often look a little bit frantic. You know, trying to kind of get that last little bit out of the boat or out of the the the, the watts or you know that little bit more length or something but the british always just look calm like just in control a lot of the time even when they maybe not in the lead or you know when the you know when the aussies were moving through the eight the whole time i still thought no these british can come back because they're just very loose very flat and 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 really good rowing so no it was there were so many good races i think from the the british and i still think this event it's not necessarily an event you want to be winning you want to be like putting out your your best best effort you obviously you want to put out the best efforts you can on the day but i think you know coming a little bit short here it just gives you that little bit of focus and uh kind of concentration moving into to world champs when there's qualification on the line and you know we moving that little bit closer to the the olympics i think giving people that false sense of kind of security by winning Lucerne, often they can come un- unstuck going into the world champs, especially when these events are so, so tight. I don't oh. know if you guys agree with me on mm. that point. Yeah, well, Matthew Pinson always used to say, because, you know, Jürgen never used to really taper them. So they had Henley and Lucerne, so they were racing tight, and they, they lost quite a few times. And Pinson always used to say nobody... Come six weeks, nobody will remember what happened in Lucerne. Yes. Um, which was his take on it. Um, and, you know, there's, there, there's obviously something in that. Of course. Um, yeah, no, but, I, I think he, he, he gets it. You know, he, I, I agree with him 100%. You know, the World Champs and the Olympics, those are the, the biggest events. And uh, sort of the World Cup is a build-up to the um to the world championship regatta it's almost the destination that we're driving to so you know i do agree with that that sentiment that the the big winners in the world cups you know aren't necessarily uh not they're not always a good prediction on what will happen at world champs because like i think what uh sir matthew pinsett is alluding to that break before world champs and the world champs itself though there's some big factors that go into play and crews arrive there, you know, fresh and uh, have had the season to prepare for. So I think uh, I agree with his sentiment there, one hundred percent. I also agree with uh, Pinson's sentiment there, but there can't be that many times where he came second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly not. So he might have been thinking it, but I don't. I don't. If you looked at his numbers, I don't think he. He doesn't have I'm many silver now. medals. In total. I'm thinking now um, when him and Cracknell raced uh, Drew Ginn and James Tompkins in the pair and then in the four in, 
was it uh, 2004 where they lost to the Americans and Alex Partridge mm. had that collapse lung? Um, and I think there was an, uh, another occasion I can't re- recall, yeah. but yeah. So may- maybe it's key it's key moments that probably stand out the the most. Um, yeah. But yeah, then going back, I want to just go to, uh, touch back on like the the handles and the stuff because my point on the on the those things were like you know sometimes they're innovative. But a lot of the times they're quite gimmicky, you know, they're not, it's hard to really establish a speed result of a change in an in equipment, you know, so it's hard to say, oh, these, because what are those foils that people are adding to their blades or, you know, even, even the Alianti, you know, the, the carbon wing rigger from the back, it's hard to say, oh, this is a percentage difference to your, your boat speed. And a lot of times, I think the number one change to boat speed is comfort. So if an athlete tries something and finds that more comfortable or, you know, feels better or easier to, to, you know, make other technical changes into the boat, it's so much faster, which I think is why the British still row with the, the wooden blades. Because, I mean, every time I've rowed with the wooden blades, they are the best by far. They're so nice to the, on the, on the feel of your, of your hands they they're not as damaging as the like the green hands uh from concept yeah, yeah, yeah. so that, that's your I think opinion that there's... <laughs> yeah I, on that on that comfort i mean one one thing that was i think pointed out to me uh which, which i hadn't noticed was the lithuanian double skull i think the the, the stroke that uh, they ended up with a silver medal the, the stroke woman um dovil rimkute i think she rose with crocus Yes, and the bow the bow woman uh, Donata Carolina, she rose with uh, Braca oars. Yeah, very interesting. Um, but she's but she always did that though, because even yeah, back in twenty sixteen, right. yeah, yeah, their crew. I mean, that's just bizarre though to me. I suppose it's just maybe maybe Braca pays her to row with the uh, uh, or Croca well, pays her to. Yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> Um, just a just an addition there. I I have tried the wooden oars, and I didn't like them mainly because I I couldn't get my my handle thin enough. I just felt like they were a little bit too big and it would give me problems with my forearms. And yeah. I've had I've had issues with compartment syndrome, and the rows out there that know what that is, they know how debilitating that can be. So the the wooden handle, uh, you know, if I could get the grip thin enough. For me, that's actually the main part. Is actually just getting a, a smallish grip. I prefer the smallish grip. So yeah. that's that's for me. But continuing on the women's four, we spoke about GB. Um, I think uh, uh, having a fantastic year so far as a Romanian women's four. They finished fourth last year, just off the podium, and so far this season they've had uh, two big wins, European champions notably, and then. World Cup three, which uh, I think we can all agree is is definitely the penultimate World Cup. They come they came away with the win. So noticing um, really good improvements from that Romanian four, and I cannot wait to see what happens when we throw in the USA four that won, yes, and they absolutely. won by such a commanding fashion at the last World Cup. And I cannot wait to see that USA four, four thrown into the mix against the Romanian four and you can't obviously discount the world champions. And of course we've spoken about how good Australia rowing is, is, is doing and that Australian women's four 
is the Olympic champions. And of course, you can't sort of discount that pedigree either. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't bet against the Romanian women in a sprint for the line. I mean, they can handle any rate, can't they? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. The the sprints from the, the Romanian team are are quite something, especially when they get it right. But they that's something I want to touch on later. For now, I'm so surprised that I mean the, the Romanian women have been doubling up every regatta for, you know, how many years now? And this regatta they didn't double up and the eight really took shots. Um, you know, that eight was definitely not the same eight that we've seen uh, come down the track from the, the women's side. And, and obviously, you know, there you can see the effect that, the, you know, the double is having stepping into the eight. And obviously they couldn't double up this regatta because they were uh, back-to-back races on the program. Yeah, and, and more from what you... I, I, I spoke um, briefly with Antonio Colomelici and, you know, he, he said he wanted to try um, some things with the eights in this third World Cup that he hadn't tried before um, to get some more information. So that's why it was only the pair doubling up in the men's eight and he, and he had a different women's eight. Um, yeah, and... You know, the double was close, weren't they, at uh, the Europeans with the Lithuanians? So, you, you know, maybe he didn't want to take a chance with them. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think to your point of the extra day, it does give people a chance to double up. And maybe that will give, I don't know, the potential for more entries in events like the Women's Eight. Um, but... Yeah, I, I was surprised Romania didn't medal in the women's eight because I kind of would have thought even the eight he had out would have been the better one. Yeah, so I, I don't was, know what you think of that. I was mm. surprised with the, that result because it was, um, you know, the, and they they have been so dominant and so good in that, in the, or not dominant, but they've been really, really on fire in the women's eight. And, you know, you would think having two crews come out and exactly that. It's that such a trade-off. It's like cool. Well, now you can, now you can see regatta to regatta. If you have your top athletes doubling up, the eight does well. But then those, you know, the 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 double and the the smaller boats are under more pressure to perform in their respective events. Whereas here they crush those events, but now the eight struggled a bit. So it's quite a challenge, I think, as a coach to pick and choose when you double up and when you you don't. And I still can't believe that the men's side doubled up. I mean, those remain that Romanian pair raced seven times in three days. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, uh, yeah ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no wonder they missed out a medal in the eight. Um, I don't know what that's going to have told him. Um, you know, I think after the Europeans, he felt he could really have a crack at the British and whoever's going to be at the front of the field. Mm. Um, but... I think it'll give him a lot of confidence though because you here you have your best two athletes rowing flat out in a lot of times you know they uh, they didn't push that much in the in the heat of the eight but they had a hard rep uh decent quarter final and then big semis and and big finals to to in the in, the, in, the, in all their events and will champs coming along and will champs is over a week so yes, you're taking the same number it. of races and you adding another four days uh, to your program, so I definitely I will be very surprised if they're not doubling up at at World Champs. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I wouldn't bet against the Romanians, you know, having a a really good shot of gold and beating the British at the Worlds with less races under their belt than at Lucerne. I mean, it was so close, wasn't it, in the final? Mm. And, yeah, yeah, I I think, you know, that pair, they obviously have found something that, you know, wasn't working in the Europeans. And, um, yeah, it's going to, I think it'll come good for them at the Worlds. Yeah, I oh, I agree be, with that. Yeah, I know I agree with Martin 100%. I think at World Championships you're going to see you're going to see Romania sort of on another level because I think they the what the, firstly I love the attitude towards the trying to make the double work. And uh secondly, I think it, it is really hard. I mean, we talked about how tight the schedule was. And like, you know, this sort of format the doubling up is incredibly difficult, but again, at World Champs, it's going to be it's going to be um, it's going to be much more. Um, I don't want to say easier, but it is going to be easier to sort of adapt the doubling up format. Mm. I mean, just looking at the we're talking about the women's eight. You know, the big athletes that are missing are, are the women's four doubles up in the eight, and then Simona Radis has also been doubling up doubling up in the eight. But you know, you have yeah. the women's four at thirty five at uh, twenty five to two. Then you have the women's double at half past two, um, and then the the women's eight is at quarter past two. So you have these two. You literally have um, the women's eight sandwiched in between the two boats that they need to sort of recruit to make that eight work. So, you know, this time round, you saw Romania sort of suffering, and you know, in the women's eight, I think they were they were perhaps more off the pace in the men's eight. But again, it's not that much, and like you you throw in athletes that are, are more fresh and now also i just can't help, help the feeling that in the in the men's eight that first kilometer sets up so much and i think you know that's the first thing you lose is perhaps that sort of top end anaerobic capabilities after after so many so much racing so i think come world champs we're going to see an incredibly strong romanian women's eight and i'm just telling everyone to to remember how they performed the europeans and we're going to see an incredibly strong Romanian men's eight, and again, strong performance at Europeans. But, you know, we're talking about the men's eight. We cannot not speak about the Australian performance of the weekend and a big candidate for the performance of the of the regatta. And I don't think I can I can safely say that I don't think anyone was expecting that sort of performance from the Australian eight. And, you know, what, what is a race? And especially against uh, uh, GB men's eight that was so dominant last year, and while they're still looking really good, they under some real pressure, you know, this time coming off second best and, you know, that European race against the Dutch and the Romanians was so close. But that American, I mean, that Australian eight, what a performance, you know, hats off to that crew, looks relatively young. And it looks like they're really doing good things down there in, um, in Australia. So Martin, on your on the British eight, how confident were you before the race? And what are your, your, your thoughts down the track? Cause I mean, those Aussies did come, they did come a bit out of, out of nowhere for that event. Well, yeah. So there's a few things. I, I, I was confident that the British would win. I think the way they rode at Henley was great. I thought with the sub on board, they raced really well in Verazzi. Um, I, I had a meal with, Mark Prater the night before the finals and he was looking really sort of relaxed and confident and I wished him all the best. I think he's an amazing coach. Um, 
it was interesting. He was confident enough to reshuffle his order. He put Jack O'Brien from the pair in Varese. They had a good row, and he, he put him straight in the sixth seat of the eight. And, um, you know, he there's, there's not too much that Mark gives away about his crews, but he's obviously very pleased with the speed that they showed. Hmm. And um, I think one of the things he said to me in Varese was, look, you know, we've only been here eight days when they raced the British. Yeah. So, you know, they love that European training centre. They do a lot of drills, a lot of sort of work. The, the, the technique of the Australians was impeccable. You know, could see them coming down the track and just the timing and the blade work was sensational. Um, but I didn't expect them to beat the British. And, and the only other thing I would say... Uh, the, the British will internalise that and, and they'll take it away and, and, and you know, um, have to improve. But they're, they're I, I think probably the best guy in that eight or in the British eight wasn't rowing. That's a guy called Charlie Elwes. Mm. He had his dicks out uh, before Varese. Um, you know, he got into the his school first eight when he was a J15. He's, he's all and in the Yale eight as a freshman. And, yes. Um, he's always been ahead of everything. Um, so they'll be relieved, I think, when he comes back in. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't think they're under any illusions about the mountain they face. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um, I think it's... You go, Lawrence. The, the, my, my points on the eight were, well, and not even just on the eight, but on the Aussie team in general, the men's team were... I mean, they've changed their their style like quite a bit. You know, they're not rowing that same, uh, especially the race profile. But even their rhythm and stuff is way more um, relaxed and and just kind of easy going again. More kind of I wouldn't say standard because it's definitely not standard, but it's just looks very confident and and loose. And uh, even jumping to the four, I mean, Alex Hill. I mean, I th- really, really enjoyed watching him come down the the track. The way he turns it on the front, the way he gets his his legs connected, and the way he gets his legs down into the boat before he's moved any of his upper body and arms. I mean, it just looks looks really good. And I think the eight was definitely showing some of that kind of skill. Um, you know, did, moving did you so know fast. Did you notice the Aussie four come down at a lower rate? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was- to Spencer, Spencer Turin after the race, and he said, "You know, we're trying stuff out. I, I think they genuinely had to try stuff out because at Varese they were they were up high, but working hard and not getting as yeah. much return. I, I thought it was quite adventurous of Brett Aycliffe, you know, to to try a different approach. Um, and I, I don't know how much it suits them and the way they won Olympic gold, but." Um, uh, you know, I and I don't know how they're going to come out for the world championships. At what rate they're going to go over at? But Martin, don't you think that trying out of these different styles and you know seeing what works, what doesn't work, gives all these athletes like you know just a better understanding of the stroke, a better understanding of what's possible mm. down the the course, and then more maybe more confidence to go back to what they were doing to say no, this is the best way to do it, or this is the because you know, a lot of people criticize them. I mean, I said that they were crazy to keep racing like that. So, you know, just to be able to go back and be like, well, we've tried the other way and it became second and now we want to go back to the way we were doing it when we won. Mm. I don't know. I think it I think it can add quite a bit 
to to what they can what they can do. You're spot on. That that's completely right. Yeah, I yeah, I think Lawrence you hit hit the nail on the head there. And I must say the this this is an ongoing um this is an ongoing war between these these two crews because I certainly don't think the Australians have hit the their potential yet of of the of the four. And I definitely think there's there's more to come. And you know, those Australian rows in there, they they in my mind, they they certainly incredibly good one of the some of the finest rows perhaps of our of of this new generation of rows you know spencer turin alexander hill jack hargreaves alexander Pennell. you know these are fantastic rows so i definitely think they can get back onto the top they can become the olympic champion crew that they were um in uh, in tokyo but they definitely have an incredible mountain to climb and another sort of uh, newcomer into the regatta we haven't spoken about this team yet is the new zealand team who i thought overall perhaps was maybe a little bit underwhelming at this regatta but it is their first foray into the into the world uh this year and i do feel like this is a new team compared to last year this this is probably the first um you know display of the the the, the olympic what's going to turn into the olympic team next year um, and then a big performance though from the New Zealand team isn't the men's four. I definitely sort of earmarked the the New Zealand men's four for for a, a strong performance on the weekend, and we definitely got that. And they certainly have the rows to do it. So I'm going to keep my eye on them because I think uh, the that's cert- certainly an avenue that New Zealand rowing haven't sort of explored is the men's four. And you know I think they have the right rows to do it. So I can't wait to see how the that four does it world champs and i really hope that they stick with this um with this combination or sort of with this uh vision of a new zealand four yeah it worked really it worked really well i mean i i I think coming over to europe racing once i think their results were were pretty acceptable yes i I think they'll take that and 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 work with it i i think that the the four was great. Tom in the single was great. Um, I think Emma Twig had a good run out. Um, you know that that'll be good to get that in her legs. I think in terms of ahead of the world championships. Mm. Um, you know, and there were one or two other good results. Obviously, Robbie's sort of going to get quicker. I think at the worlds with his new doubles partner. Mm. Um, the lightweights, I think, will be up there too. Um, so I think they had a pretty good run out for for this World Cup, and they can be pretty pleased with what they did. I'm interested to see. I feel like it's a good it's a good um, example or test of you know a country maybe taking it quite easy. You know, we have a short Olympic cycle, only three years, and we're going to be straight back into that high Olympic pressure next year. And I feel like the New Zealanders, almost a lot of them, maybe they're just older athletes, took it a bit lightly last year. And now they're coming back, so they kind of, you know, they're in their bouts, as you say, like pretty respectable results. And I wonder if that's going to pay off with another, you know, with better results next year, you know, because I think a lot of the athletes, it is a quick turnaround to then perform at one Olympics and go straight into, you know, the next, that pre-Olympic or that, you know, go into the next cycle and, and not have that time to kind of relax or switch off at all and just straight back in. And I wonder if the New Zealanders have maybe nailed this and and will come in come more online as we get closer and closer to Paris. And you know, if Emma Twig 
can win medals and uh and Robbie Manson win medals it'll be it'll be quite a telltale sign that you know maybe taking some time off in between the games mm. is important mm. yeah i i i definitely think so and you know Emmetwig for me is just i i get the sense that this again i spoke about how the Aussie 4 has has got so much more to come and i i feel like Emma is sort of climbing that that mountain to in in her performances but i must say the the Dutch scholar Caroline Florin has set an incredibly high standard in the women's single and coming from the four in Tokyo and getting into the skull and not having lost a single race. That is ridiculous. And uh, it's certainly, she set the marker. I feel like in her event, there are some events where you get this, she set the marker and it's, it's more about the rest of the world catching up and can they catch up enough in time for the, for the Olympics next year. And, uh, Perhaps another interesting thing in the women's skulls that we saw another returning face, the Olympic silver medalist, um, now racing for Uzbekistan, and uh, she's also she's also changed her name. She was Hannah Prakatsin in Tokyo, now she's Anna Prakatin for Uzbekistan. So I'm wondering what was what was that about? I haven't quite seen that before, um, but yeah, it's good to see her back, and uh, she definitely seems like. Uh, I think making it to the A final perhaps was a quite a big achievement when you consider the schedule and I'll be keeping definitely earmarking her again to see if she can get back on top of those performances that she had in, in, in Tokyo. Yeah, I, I didn't talk to her after the racing, but I was I was talking to someone because there, there, there was a few of the former Russian athletes around um, and she was there kind of loading the trailer. I was really surprised. I, I thought she'd be taller. Mm. Um than she was but I agree with you um I, I don't know what her training's been like uh in Russia or whether she lives in Uzbekistan but it can't have been easy for no. her um and yeah I I think you're right a final result was a good return yeah um it's definitely so and so I would like to sort of switch gears a little bit and then go into, we briefly briefly topped on the, the Dutch with their performances in the quad and the double. And that's definitely where I'd love to, to chat about next because, you know, the double, of course, is for me is the event in rule drawing at the moment, the premier gladiator event. You know, the, I, mm. I, I like to think that the lightweight women's double was the gladiator event for the last cycle. For me, the men's double at the moment is it's ridiculous ridiculously um tight and this weekend again another sublime regatta of racing in the men's double you have so many different stories so many different narratives so many informed crews coming back into the mix and uh netherlands coming away with i thought their best performance to date at lucerne with uh steph brunick and malvin twitler i think steph and malvin might have they might have they might have conquered this this event. I mean that. Wow, that's a bold was, claim. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. It was untied. I mean the the Croatians who are never ever, you know, they've lost, but you know it's usually tight. This was there was at four hundred meters to go. There was no doubt that the Dutch were winning this race. Yeah, and no one's done that in the double this whole cycle. So mm. I'm going to put it out there that if this combination carries on as is, I don't know if, if people can catch them, even the, the mighty Croatians, yeah. which 
are my personal favorite, but I don't know if they can they can get caught if they can catch those those that Dutch double was unbelievable. I don't think the Croatians are still not doing their 2014 stuff. You know, I, I think they must have come into this regatta okay after not doing Varese. Um, Greg Searle, I think he, you know, I, he said he thought they looked a little tired, but then, you know, they were put under that pressure by the Netherlands. Um, I don't know. I kind of think if they're going to skull like they did in 2014, that they're going to win. Um and I would just like to say their attitude of participation mm. and sportsmanship, you know, however they, wherever they come, is just completely phenomenal and an example to you know anyone involved in any sport, let alone rowing. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think hundred percent. The uh, and but actually, uh, my point was the what I was going to say to that point is they are usually this. They are always upstanding and brilliant sportsmanship behavior. But I thought a lot of uh, people were showing some some really good sportsmanship over the, the regatta. I mean, the women's single, uh, they had um, Caroline Florin on the, on the shoulders um, on the podium. Then the Irish even posted a, you know, great, ra- a great race and, and congrats to the, the yes. French. So there's quite a lot of that, I think. And, and maybe it's a result of the, Sinkovic is being so uh, kind of gracious and and good at this and promoting it so well and people realizing that this is a you know it's nicer to be nice than to be an ass. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, that, that, that could well be, um, and, and that's a really good point. You mentioned the Irish and the French there. Um, I mean, what was that race like? I I can't <laughs> remember the last time I've seen a race. Sure. That, the crew got rowed through and then came back. Yes, and where did that and performance come against from? Against the Irish. Yeah, against the Irish especially. <laughs> like that performance, where did it come from? You're talking about the performance in the Australian eight and, you know, hats off to the, the French light double. You know, the I think they have such massive expectations in that event. You know, the 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 boat with Jeremy Azu in it um, and the Olympic champion with Pierre Hahn in, 20, in 2016. You know, that... That for me, when I think about, you know, the lightweight double prior to the Irish's current form, it's it was the French. You know, that's that's the the crew. You know, I when I started getting involved in rowing, that was the crew, and that's the, the standard for the French in that event. And you know, they've been going through you know ups and downs, but now we saw you, we've got these two new guys, and I just feel like they've taking they're taking that in their stride, and they're learning from perhaps that sort of those performances. And, uh, you know, that, that race for me was sublime. I think hats off to them. And I really hope that uh, at World Champs, we're going to see an on-form Irish. This is my dream. On-form Irish and on-form Swiss lightweight men's double. And on-form French lightweight men's double. And we're going to have a cracker. Then you then you all in. Yeah. That is going to be a, that already is going to be a big race. I think the Irish will know they've got that horrendous Banyolas training camp. I remember hearing Fintan talk about it on on your show. Um, and, and, you know, I, I chatted to the Irish lightweight women's double and, you know, at the Lucerne railway station, and they said, oh, yeah, we've got Banyolas to come. So I, I think I'd still pick Paul and Fintan to win yes. in, um, in in Belgrade. Uh 
because they'll do their, their stuff that they do with Dominic Casey. Um, but it was a sensational performance from Burry and Ludwig. 100%. I find it hard to to bet against uh, Paul. Like when you see him rowing, he's just there's. I always feel like when I watch the light, when I watch them racing, I feel like Paul is pulling, you know, like five splits quicker than any other lightweight around him. That's what it looks like to me. Um, when I'm watching them row, I'm like, there, no one on the course is pulling as hard as as this guy is pulling right now. And I was, I was so surprised that the the French managed to to come back there. And I think it will be, it'll be really hard for the French to to win that, um, come. Uh, world champs but i mean the irish team in general were on fire yes. uh, during this uh, regard a lot of a lot more i feel like the the irish and the swiss teams for me are very similar you know they have a lot of like up and coming young athletes just performing just getting that consistency and and just starting to to show like glimmers of of really good speed and i think there's only a matter of time until they just keep translating that into better and better results uh, I don't yeah. know what you think, Martin. Well, Ross Corrigan and Nathan Timoney, I mean, Incredible. they came out of that four. Yeah, in the pairs, and they were just flying. I think also that they were really brave. Like, their speed in the first quarter was just insane. Um, and I think that, I, you know, I talked with uh, Niccolo um, or, or Antonio Maragiovanni, the coach, and, you know, he was very, like, let's wait and see um, after the time trial. And, you know, they haven't done anything yet. But they're, obvi- they're obviously very pleased with that. And then, um, you know, for, that, for the men's double as well, uh, in, in that company that you spoke of, in that amazing field, uh, Dara Lynch, yes, you know, to come into the double um, and... Philip Doyle is just doing it again, 30 years old and a, and a doctor, and he's he's on the podium in, in the World Cup. I mean, it, it was really, really impressive. Yes. Um, so yeah. I do I do quickly, you know, I we, we, we were on the men's double, and then we sort of, someone hijacked it onto the lighty men's double. I do want to quickly <laughs> go back into the men's double because I was just, Looking at the stats, you know, this is this event for me is ridiculous. So I just want to frame it for you guys and for the viewers out there. So the men's double, you have last year at World Champs, all right? If we take that as sort of a current indicator of uh, form, you had France with the world champions, the Spanish with the silver medalists, and Australia with the bronze medalists. Out of those three crews, only one has been on the podium this season so far, and that was the Spanish who picked up a silver at the first World Cup. All right, you have the French who are the Olympic champions, okay? Then you have the Croatians who are also the Olympic champions in 20, uh, 2016. So you have two Olympic yeah. champions racing against each other in the same event. That's You don't have that in other events. Now, to add to that sort of mix, you have crews like the Netherlands who are on fire, the silver medalists. They've picked up um, they picked up a win this weekend. That's massive. The Irish, who we've just spoken about, coming on form. You have the Italians, who are on incredible form. At the last World Cup, which was a completely different podium, it- Italy picked up the win. The USA have found a really fast crew. And then the Chinese, who are the Olympic bronze medalists and the world champions from 2019. So just put that into perspective, the kind of quality mm. of crews that you have at the moment. It is ridiculous. It's not No event has got this kind of competition and this pedigree 
Um, so for me, like world champs in the Olympics next year in this event is going to be ridiculous. You you might see world champions racing the B final, and like that's happened in the past, but that's how crazy this event is. Okay, so yeah. is it eleven? Is your seven? I'll look now. No men's, men's men's double. Oh no, eleven. Eleven to qualify. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Martin, who or and Jake, who are your picks? Who's going to be world champion this year, and who's going to be Olympic champion next year in the men's Martin? level? Yeah, you have to call it now. <laughs> uh, the Ducks this year, the Sinkoviches next year. You know, I was That's thinking easy. I was going to say that that would be my claim. I was going to say the Sinkoviches this uh, next year, but this year I'm not sure. I think. Uh, I still think France are going to be a world champion, so they're going to do what they did last year. Yeah, that's spicy. Yeah, the, <laughs> I it's the same as Paul for me though. The the Sinkoviches, it's it's hard to bet against them. It's like yes, they might not get it perfect every single time, but when it counts and when they have to get it right, they generally get it right. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's my. Uh, I think me and Martin are the same for the predictions, and then Jake, you on French and Sinkovich is next year. Yes, but anything, so, a lot of faith. Anything can happen. That's the thing. Anything can happen in this event. You know, it's so hard yeah, to. For sure. It's so hard to to say one crew is going to beat the other because if you created like a you know like a spider web of crews that beat each other, it would literally be like. Every single crew has beaten every single other crew. There's not one crew that's beaten them all and hasn't hasn't been uh, beaten themselves. So it's it's a it's yeah. a wonderful s- space for the I think for world rowing to have an event like the men's double at the moment. Okay, so I agree with you 100, percent Jake, and I think we're all on a very clear agreement that the the double is one of the the biggest events um, for the the 2024 Olympic cycle. But just going, I think to to start wrapping things up. What are what are the big races that we're looking forward to at at World Champs? Where do you think the tightest qualification is going to be? And kind of what are we what are we kind of looking out for in the next? You know, for the for the start of the the Olympic qualification regatta. You know, it's one of my favorite regattas of the whole cycle is qualification and to put on the B finals and to watch crews put everything on the line to to not come in that 11 or uh, 12 spot or not come uh you know out of those those qualification spots is one of the best things to watch ever so i think i'm looking forward to it the most and yeah i think well, what are you what are you guys looking forward to the most which events uh do you really if you had to pick two events to watch at um at world champs this year which events are you picking um the lightweight doubles either side easy i think their qualification is 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 crazy 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 difficult top seven that means the winner of the b final is the only crew that gets that qualification spot so for me the lightweight doubles are are the the ones that are going to have the tightest qualification this year yeah um i think um singles probably men's more so than the women's uh, I, I think, you know, um, you had the Olympic champion coming in in sixth place. Uh, it's top nine, isn't it? Um, yeah, top nine makes, for the singles. 
Yeah, that makes the B final such a great race. Yeah, it does. Um, and then I always, you know, looking at the men's and women's eights, I, I'm really looking at last place in that final of the world championships more than I'm looking at who wins the gold. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the whole regatta is, is actually more about who who gets the last qualification spot than who gets the gold medal. I think it's it's it can be it's almost it's the most irrelevant world championships to win because if you win world champs on a qualification year and you don't win the games then you you're not going to see it as a as a success. Definitely. Yeah. Um and then yeah, I also if we're going to pick the the tightest racing for me I definitely want to just get a consensus here on the the performance slash race of the regatta. And uh, for me, it's really hard to choose between the men's eight, the uh, Oli Zeidler in the skull, and the lighty men's double France. I think I'm going to give it to the Australian men's eight coming away with that win against the the reigning world champions uh, GB. Yeah, and if oh, you go, Martin. Yeah, I, I would go for the lighty men's double. Um just because it was so unusual and I was watching the race and I basically had, I mean, from the start I had Paul and Fintan's name on and then as the race unfolded coming through a thousand to the 1500, I had their name on it. And then I kind of remember Paul when he won the singles, like women singles. And I thought, well, he can handle that high rate. And you know, they, they, they've been through the French and I thought if anyone was going to come back, it'd be the Swiss, but the French, you know, I thought just what was that going on? And mm. I, I think it's great that Rowan produces that surprise. So uh, that was my race of the day. Mm. I think oh, there were a lot of good races. And I think from my side, I'm actually going to choose women's four because uh, watching the Aussies and the, the Romanians go go at it down the track was was impressive. And then they still scored the, the highest percentage of the day. So oh, that's um, true. I that's still true. think that's a record that can that can go down a few a few seconds. I think it's it's up for a um you know a crew to come in and take it but yeah it's still impressive anytime someone uh goes that fast in a boat so yeah that there were a lot of good races but i think that's my my pick of the day and i think that's that's enough to to wrap things up i think you know we chatted about a lot of events we definitely missed some crucial um talking points that our listeners will uh point out eagerly to us and yeah i just i think once again thanks so much martin it's always an absolute pleasure having you on the show the knowledge and yeah just your willingness to to share and talk about rowing is is always great so a huge thanks from uh from us and from the the listeners i'm sure that they appreciate having you on the on the show not having to listen to me and jake babble yeah. on too much. <laughs> thank you yeah but yeah, no, it's yeah. been it's been awesome. Thanks again, Martin, and we'll catch you on the flip side for the listeners out there. You know, we've got a we've got a long road to world champs. You're gonna have, you have some more content coming from the Row Show, and if you're interested, you can go follow us on on Instagram. You can get in contact contact with us, which will be in the show notes below. And again, massive shout out to our Patreons, the lifeblood of the Row Show, and uh, it's been yeah. awesome chatting about the Third World Cup. Looking forward to world champs. 
yeah, the patrons uh, definitely give us a, a lot of support, and you know our WhatsApp group. Uh, I think Martin can uh, can add a bit of value there. Um, if if you know we all piling in on the on the chats, especially on the the racing weekend, it's one of the most incredible uh, chats to be on because there's just so much knowledge and questions uh, getting thrown around on the on the Patreon group. And then also, if you want the the stats that we we produce after each regatta, then come and join us there, and I'll share them with you. Cool. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Jake. We're out. We're out. Thank you.